So today I have the pleasure of having a conversation with Dr. Jeff uh, Perkis, um, who is uh, the winner of this year's Tom Blades Award. So the Tom Blades uh, Award is uh, given annually to family physicians who have made an outstanding contribution to our community. Uh, so a lot of what we're going to talk about today is uh, a little bit about uh, Jeff and uh, those contributions that led to him uh, winning that award. Uh, but that's not where we're going to start out because um, uh, as, uh, as well as winning the Tom Blades Award, uh, Jeff also is the proud winner of the Peach Arse Award, uh, which is uh, given out uh, not annually. I think it's only when there's an appropriate uh, moment <laughs> that awards that that deserves the award, which is sort of on the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of um, negative uh, contributions towards humanity. Let's say. So I had to do a little bit of hig digging around uh, how you won this award and, and uh, stumble upon various other stories that perhaps aren't fit for purpose for this podcast. <laughs> um, uh, so, but we did eventually find out what, how you won this award and uh, understand it's uh, because you assaulted some homeless person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's a great way to start. Well, thanks. Thanks for the intro, uh, Rogan, and, and, and thank you for doing these, uh, these podcasts. They're a ton of fun, and, uh, and uh, yeah. Um, so, so, so how did this happen, Jeff, and, and, and fun, how can you explain yourself? <laughs> yeah, fun place to start, uh, and, you know, I'll tell you a bit about the Peace Arts Award as it was uh, back, back in the day. We used to have uh, quarterly staff meetings which were well attended and, uh, and, and often interestingly political and polarized and whatnot, but uh, always amicable in the end. And, um, and yeah, one of our uh, initiatives to kind of uh, bolster the, the morale was annually to present a, an award for the most, uh, one of the most quirky or uh, uh, offside, strange uh, medical experiences of the year. So. Uh, and it's usually a negative or embarrassing um, medical experience. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. So, <laughs> I just had a visual, interesting visual. The actual award trophy. I'm coming back yes. on now, was two tennis balls with yes. one of our uh, former family physicians. Uh, yeah. You know, I, we're not even going to go there. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> So how did I get the award? Um, There's a dirty under a pair of underwear. Oh, oh sort of okay, exactly. Yeah. It was. Yeah. I'm not sure what <laughs> I did. Try and track it down. I haven't worked out where it's gone to because mm -hmm. it used to sit at our um, on our division next Dennis. to our board table, <laughs> like as a sort of. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. I'm not sure where it went, but <laughs> back in the day, somewhere in the uh, in the late '80s, I believe, I was doing uh, work with the, with the uh, Vancouver Canucks, and. So I, I was an associate physician with them, and uh, so uh, on the nights that I was covering uh, the game, um, you know, I would drive downtown, and, uh, and often I was able to take my uh, my son with me to the games, which is a huge bonus. But uh, on this particular night, I was solo and uh, had driven downtown, and I parked uh, well into the depths of uh, of the downtown east side, uh, street side parking, and uh, the usual routine at the end of the game, we uh, we stick around and. Uh, Make sure that there's no issues. Nobody needs being sewn up or uh, 
you know, any uh, referrals need to be made, uh, any players that want to be seen. And uh, so we, we tend to, would, we would leave a, at least 45 minutes after the general public in terms of mm. exiting the downtown core. So I come back to my my uh, car and uh, it's a really miserable, rainy Vancouver night. And I um, I look and there, you know, on the passenger's, rear passenger's window is broken. And I thought, oh yeah, typical downtown Vancouver. I've been... I've been uh, vandalized, mm-hmm. and uh, look inside, and and there's a guy sitting in the back seat of my car, and I can see that he's he's rummaging through stuff. So I, I immediately I'll call to the hey, what are you doing in there? And and so he, you know, obviously isn't expecting me to return right in the middle of the act. He uh, uh, opens the door on on the uh, on the sidewalk side, and uh, and kind of gets out, kind of. Uh, um, looking very embarrassed, and uh, and at first I couldn't see that he was he was holding uh, some of my things, and he basically just kind of um, says, "Oh, so sorry, man. I'm just getting out of the rain. Just getting out of the rain, and uh, just trying to get dry." And then uh, and then I see he's got my laptop, <laughs> and uh, the instant that I you know put my eyes on the laptop, he he started he bolts, and uh, I'd previously lost my laptop, and anybody that's been through that experience. Uh, it's not something you ever want to repeat. So, uh, you know, without thinking, I took chase and uh, ran down a back alley behind this guy, and we got into a pretty good scuffle. And uh, I, you know, I was in a suit jacket and tie. Uh, by the end of the, the scuffle, I had lost uh, one or more of my shoes. My my jacket was gone. My tie was gone. Uh, um, my car keys were were some. You know, it was a and and I had a few a few scrapes um, but I had my laptop <laughs> so I was thrilled and so I, I make my way back to the uh, to the vehicle and, and there's all the passerbys are coming out of literally coming out of the woodwork in the in the back in the alley um, and uh, all sort of uh, homeless type people and uh, guys one guy hands me a shoe another guy hands me a tie um, and uh, another guy shows up with the guitar and starts singing you got a friend uh, looking for a handout I'm sure and uh, and then eventually somebody shows up with my car keys and I, you know it was quite <laughs> it was quite the uh, quite the event and uh, um, yeah so that uh, that got me the peace arse award and uh, and luckily yeah and, and you made the mistake of telling Dr. Shane why <laughs> this is now recorded for prosperity exactly well of course yeah. Bob and I were Longtime partners, yeah. and uh, yeah. and uh, we shared many fun stories over yeah, the years. Yeah. So it's not quite yeah. as bad as how I framed it, to, 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 to be honest. But um, oh, yeah. well, it was and so a fun story. Yeah. So I didn't ask. So you, you so you had you done quite a lot of work in uh, sort of St. Paul's. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, early days um, uh, pre-med. Actually, my mm. dad was a. Uh, um, he was your classic uh, full-service family physician, and mm. he did. Mm. Uh, General practice, but he also did a regular shift at Peace or at uh, at St. Paul's Emerge, hmm. and um, you know he he uh, suggested in my early med school days, preclinical years that might be fun to to uh, you know hang around the Emerge, and also hmm. uh, in doing that I would get to know the paramedics, and I hmm. would go out on ambulance calls and do uh, do uh, downtown East Side uh, uh, calls, and that was a that was a really fun um, introduction to. To uh, you know the pre preclinical years kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. was a a great mentor. Uh, 
Mm. So did you work in a mer- you mer- to you got we're going a bit out of order here, but you did work in emergency there and um, um I, I didn't. I oh, know, basically okay. just well, shadow, you know, shadow yeah, experiences yeah. kind of thing. Oh, this is when you were pre med. Uh no, no, it, no it was so actually first and second year med. So oh, okay. okay. Back back yeah. in the day we didn't really see much of hospitals until third year. Yeah. Maybe yeah. a tiny bit in second okay. year, but yeah. Okay. But I think this was first year med school actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you said your dad was a uh, a family physician and uh Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of how you ended up in the in the career, or yeah, well, definitely how I ended up in the in the Tom Blade seat uh, because you couldn't ask for a more amazing mentor in terms of uh, you know full service, uh, longitudinal mm. care, full spectrum family physician. Uh, mm. You know, uh, he did it all back in the day. The the GPs even did. Uh, he was in the first graduating class of UBC, which was a, mm. a pretty neat uh, to to uh, complete that circle with being in UBC medicine. Mm. But um, uh, yeah, no, we, back in the day, they, they even did uh, uh, appendectomies, uh, cholecystectomies. Uh, he'd done two years surgery uh, after his med school training. But mm. uh, yeah, so GPs did more than a full spectrum back in the day. So, uh, mm. so yeah, I never intended to go into med- medicine. Uh, I was kind of wanted to chart my own path, but uh, kind of took my first buy course in second year university, and uh, mm. and you know that was the first time I got really passionate about anything, and kind of the rest uh, mm. followed suit, and uh, uh, yeah, that's how I how how I wound up in medicine. Mm. And uh, what did your what did your mum do? Sorry, uh, mum was a uh, homemaker, but mm. um, she was. Uh, big part of what she she did she was extremely active in uh, back in the day what was called the Vancouver Association for the uh, mentally retarded mm. um, and uh, so those were the early days of course of ad- advocating for the development of disabled uh, mm. uh, my, my brother um, who's a year uh, 11 months older than me had uh, um, encephalitis at age two mm. and uh, has uh, grown up uh, being a keystone of our family He's, he uh, was at home for all the years that I was at home, and uh, and uh, he's uh, nonverbal and uh, slightly hemiplegic, but otherwise, mm. um, he, he um, to look at him, you'd never know he was uh, disabled, but uh, you know, kind of functions at about a at a ten year old level, mm. and uh, lives now lives in a group home, and uh, so yeah, so mom was a, a tireless advocate for uh, for the handicapped. The, back in the day, the you, you either you cared for a disabled child at home, or you sh- sent them away um, to um, to Riverview, uh, which mm. is, uh, and and they were basically locked away, and lots of families never even saw their children mm. after they were sent away there. Um, so they uh, developed the first school for the. Uh, mentally handicapped as it was called back in the day it was called Oakridge School uh, not far from Oakridge uh, uh, shopping center mm. and was uh, I think it was K to 12 and uh, uh, yeah so that the Dave got picked up by by the bus every morning went to school every day came home and uh, and apart from that was a, a centerpiece in there in our our uh, community in terms of every mm. every, every child every child in the community knew Dave looked after him that was back in the days when the kids went out to play after school and came back when the street lights came on and if uh, somebody saw Dave they they looked you know found a way to get him home if he yeah. was uh, you know so it was a, a really healthy way to 
to grow up. And uh, mm. of course, uh, since then, you know, we've integrated the, the disabled into the into the regular school system. But mm. that was a kind of the segue piece for better looking after. Yeah, I, I mean, I I uh, the, the year before I went into medical school, I spent a year as a sort of care aide, um, sort of supporting. Um, yeah, this is a respite care centre, but there were also kids with uh, sort of brain, uh, brain injury and cystic fibrosis and things. So, I, I think all I could say is, is you know, I had an eight-hour shift and I was out there, but it was very, very, it was a lot of hard work. So I can, hard, I, hard I can, work. incredibly rewarding though, yeah. and what the love, um, you know, my wife Carol and I, we uh, <clears throat> will often go to. Um, uh, they have a daycare program called Grandview, which my my brother attended for many years, and mm. and we'd go to a lot of the special events with Grandview, or and you know any day that we spend with the uh, developmentally disabled is is one of the best days of the month, if not the year. It's uh, yeah, of course that's a little different than the situation you were in, where it's uh, it's very hard work to be doing a nine to five uh, working with, uh, but but again very rewarding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so you went into um, uh, medicine, and then uh, I understand that you wanted to do orthopedics. That yeah, that was your initial. Yeah, I um, um, I interned uh, back. That was back in the day of the one-year rotating internship, uh, and did that at McGill, Montreal, in a nice uh, small community hospital called the Queen Elizabeth. Uh, two of the docs there um, were uh, looked after the uh, Montreal Expos, the local. Uh, um, uh, National League baseball team, and uh, they were kind of the rock stars of uh, Montreal back in the day, and uh, and they kind of really turned me on to team sport medicine, to orthopedic medicine, sports medicine. Um, yeah, so uh, so during the course of that year, I uh, decided to apply for ortho, got accepted to. Uh, to UBC program, so I ended up doing uh, ortho, uh, we're, we're talking 84, 85, uh, uh, did two years and then decided it wasn't uh, my end game plan, but uh, definitely money in the bank in terms of training, uh, really strong first general surgery year with ICU experience and uh, and then, you know, lots of fun surgical uh, for surgical time with uh, yeah. So, so so what turned you away from the dark dark side? What what, <laughs> what why did you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, l- loved so much of it. But uh, I guess two main things. One, the orthopads were always the last on the emergency slate. So you your your OR time always came up at two three in the morning, um, and uh, so I wasn't sure about it. You know, back back in the day, it was mostly a one and three. Me maybe if you're lucky. A, one in four calls, so I wasn't sure how many years I wanted to do that. Mm. Plus, I was a little tired of being a, a student too, and wasn't wasn't necessarily looking forward to a um, FRCP uh, exams at, at the end of it all. So uh, it was in yeah. It was, so, you, so laziness. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I was. Uh, um, it was sure a tough thing to to go to the head of the program. It was one of the hardest days in my life, but uh, but uh, definitely it was the right right move. Uh, um, you know, sports med has been a awesome uh, segue out of that for my mm. uh, career, and uh, just absolutely no regrets. Yeah. Mm. So, how did you end up uh, sort of coming to our uh, community? Yeah, um, decided uh, that I wanted to get a broad kind of scope of 
trying out different practices throughout the province. So I, I did locums for three years, wanted to get a good sense of where I wanted to be, how I wanted to practice, and uh, definitely from an early stage knew that I wanted to be able to practice somewhere where I could do full service and be able to do emerge shifts. Um, and so, you know, you at that in that era, late 80s, that was no longer an option in the urban centers, nor did I want to work in an urban center. So, uh, so uh, yes, did my first locum. Uh, um, I knew uh, Bob Shane, uh, I'd known him for many, many years. We were both Prince Wells High School uh, grads, and uh, I know I, uh, Bob's wife and I go back to grade one together. So uh, Bob encouraged me to come out and try a locum, and uh, that was, I think, 80, maybe 86. And so in that was sort of uh, during that three-year locum uh, time, and really fell in love with the community, so, well, <laughs> yeah, we, we all know how amazing it is, and uh, yeah, so it was, a, it was an easy, an easy um, place to, to hang up my shingle, and, uh, and still, it was nice that it was relatively close to, to where I grew up in Vancouver, but, uh, but far enough away, too, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, so, um, so you ended up kind of, uh, I know from previous interviews that working in the emergency department was uh well i guess it was kind of mandatory actually in the 70s and, mm -hmm. and 80s so you ended up getting quite involved uh there so so when so actually so when did you uh when was this i think this was early so 87 okay I think 86 was my my locum 80 uh 86 or 87 mm. uh, uh no yeah so it was uh so that, back in the day that was the t when the new wing of the hospital had just opened, which included the, the then new emergency department. Hmm. So for those of the, that are listening that know the hospital, the original hospital was the six floors of the um, kind of the old building. And then they added on the piece where in the uh, now radiology and uh, the emergency up until recently, plus the uh, six floors above that was, uh, was added. And that all, that completed in 87. Um, and up until that point, yeah, all GPs had mandatory uh, shifts in eMERGE, but uh, definitely they're confident, you know, we were seeing more and more patients. It was getting to be a more and more busy place, lots more acute cardiac and trauma, and uh, comfort levels for a lot of GPs was rapidly uh, evaporating. So uh, mm. they were, um, uh, basically I, I approached uh, the medical staff uh, you know I knew I wanted to practice at that point in the community so I said well why don't I become a first full-time emerge doc and uh, that that way a lot of people can get rid of shifts and those that don't want to work won't have to and um, and I can uh, uh, well I, I I can build a practice while doing emerge with a with a we had a set date I did one year July 1st to July 1st so July 1st of 88 I uh, hung up my shingle with Bob Shane and uh, and I had been that whole year I'd been handing out business cards and I was had a full practice from day one and, uh, which was was pretty sweet because that, that was still back in the era when most people were buying practices uh, so that was you know that was a definite leg up in terms of on the financial side hmm. yeah so that made you the first full-time full-time emerge doc at, at Peace Heart Show and then but then yeah. you I guess you became the department head yeah, so that, yeah, definitely the held a strong presence, and it, it, and it fairly quickly evolved that uh, most GPs left emerge, but but by by no means all. There was a good, 
I think at least 10, if not 12 of us that, uh, that stayed very active and emerged for a good many years, uh, 15 years after that, uh, doing regular shifts. Uh, um, uh, yeah. So, so, sorry. What was the question again, Ruben? Uh, the no, no. You became the head. You, oh, yeah. So, yeah. The... Um, yeah. So it was kind of natural evolution that I was kind of uh, evolved into the head of the department, and uh, and yeah, yeah. So it wasn't long after that we started hiring uh, um, more full-time people. Mm. As soon as I left, we had to have at least one more full-time. So we uh, we hired Kerry Yoshitomi, and as soon following uh, Sean Crickmer, Dave Gorenson. Uh, those were our first three. Full-time um, emerge docs, and uh, and yeah, I've uh, handed over the reins for um, department head to Kerry Oshitomi some uh, some years later. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So then you um, you you left. Um, well, you didn't leave. I mean, you, you, you when did you start your own? Uh, maybe I'm skipping a few years here. But <laughs> when did you? Uh, well, you 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 ended up. Uh, I know at some point joining the infamous Dr. Shane. Mm -hmm. uh, in his practice in in my old office and on George Street. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing we we share in common. One five six zero George. <laughs> yeah, but um, uh, yeah. So it was July first, eighty eight. I, I uh, opened my practice and did uh, you know basically four days a week there and one day of mm -hmm. emerge and uh, mm -hmm. uh, and that carried on for the next uh, at least fifteen years or so. Uh, um, and then I moved over to White Rock Medical. Um, uh, well, I can't remember. It was, yeah, I guess about 18 years ago now, and uh, uh, then left left family practice uh, for health reasons in mm -hmm. uh, 2013. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So um, we, we were gonna. I was gonna ask you a little bit more about uh, what sounds like, in some ways, your real passion, which is. Uh, skiing and and all your other involvement in in sports, in, mm -hmm. in sports medicine, um, and I understand that you were a keen. You were, I, I didn't realize this, but you were a, a very keen skier and very capable skier to this mm -hmm. to this day. Yeah, skiing's yeah. always been a, a huge part of my life, and yeah. uh, and I never competed, but uh, yeah, we you know we 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 enjoyed being uh, kind of hot dogs on the mountain mountain back in the day when. Uh, um, and we're talking the Wayne Wayne Wong era of uh, bumps and jumps and that kind of stuff. But uh, but yeah, it's been always been a huge part of my life. And uh, and uh, so yeah, it was it was definitely a, a natural fit for me to become uh, involved with uh, with freestyle ski. That was uh, that's that's been a huge part of my life. And uh, um, you know, I, what I've been doing because of my orthopedic training, I definitely felt very comfortable with the sports medicine side of family practice and then went on to f get my official sports med uh, certification mm. and uh, and then once I had that started to become more more involved with the uh, Canadian uh, Academy of Sports Medicine and some of the you know the national sports team mm. involvement with that um, there's a connection back to the Queen Elizabeth Hospital days uh, one of the doctors there Jack Colliver he moved his orthopedic practice out uh, out west, and when he 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 became head of Freestyle Ski Canada, and he uh, called me up uh, out of the blue uh, from Kelowna and said, "Jeff, would you like to do a, a trip with the team?" and uh, and that was uh, 30 years ago now, I think. And uh, I, uh, <laughs> you know, said, "Sign me up," and how fast, how soon, you know, I um, 
my first first trip uh, uh, back back in that era there was only the moguls and aerials of the freestyle ski team and uh, mm. and they traveled together back in that era and I, I went off to uh, uh, met the team in Austria and uh, walked in the room and uh, my idol uh, Jean-Luc Brassard uh, walked up to me and uh, shook my hand and uh, said thank you so much Dr. Perkers for being here and that that was uh, I was sold for life uh, at that point it was uh, yeah it's been a become a huge part of my life mm-hmm. so I understand the, your role has changed and you're, you're quite involved with that but going back then what did that what did that look like being mm-hmm. the sort of yeah so uh, it's really a f- fun sidebar uh, um, of medicine you, you know basically you uh, we have a a group of at least 10 physicians who will volunteer to, to spend a week or two with the team mm. throughout the year so yeah you mm. you arrive and you're on call for uh, for you know there's a, there's a well-equipped team kit which uh, now I'm responsible for making sure is well-equipped and complete but you know back in the day you, you show up the kits there for you and uh, you're on call uh, you you stand at the, at, at the either the bottom of the Mogul's run or the, the bottom of the outrun for the aerials uh, and uh, hope nothing happens, but you're there. Uh, certainly, they're they're high risk sports, so uh, mm. occasionally nasty things do happen, and uh, and that's what you're there for. And mm. uh, there's some time for free skiing too. And uh, early days, I was able to take uh, Carol along and uh, do enjoy some uh, you know sidebar holidays with uh, with the trip too, which was which was fun. And I've taken Adam, my son, uh, on trips with the with the team as well. So it's been. Uh, and so sorry, Carol is your Carol's my wife. Yeah. Okay, and you yeah. have a wife and and son. Yeah, yeah, my son's yeah. Uh, thirty-one, and uh, yeah. Carol and I met um, at at Peace Arch, which uh, that's that's a huge uh, uh, back in that uh, that first uh, infamous year of uh, do, doing full-time emerge. Uh, um, Carol was uh, an ultrasound tech back in the mm-hmm. at the time, and yeah. uh, and we met uh, in the emergency department, and uh, yeah, uh, the rest is history, but. Uh, you, as Bob alluded to, you, you can't do all these things and be involved in so many different ways with your career and sidebars your career without having an amazingly supportive spouse. And uh, Carol's been amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So coming back to, so, so are you telling me that you got to do the the, the Olympic ski runs mm-hmm. on the on the side? Is that, is that oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. No. Gosh, that's one of my favorite experiences. So. Uh, I have been lucky enough to, to be involved with five Olympics. Uh, okay, which and, ones? Sorry, I uh, started with with Sochi. Uh, uh, sorry, we started with Torino, yeah. and then Sochi, uh, Pyeongchang, Vancouver, and uh, and then of course just uh, just China recently. So, hmm. yeah, um, my involvement with Vancouver was uh, was not as a team physician. It was as a uh, I was in charge of the. Uh, uh, the venue at uh, Cypress Mountain, so uh, mm-hmm. a much more challenging role. Mm. Being a team physician, your second response uh, to anything that's going sideways with an athlete, because um, because the host, no matter wh- where you are in the world, whether it's a World Cup or mm. the Olympics, the host um, city is responsible for providing um, first first response and urgent care, mm. and then you know we we provide second level care um so uh, uh so yeah um initially back like i said back in the day it was just moguls and aerials but more laterally we've added ski half pipe and ski slope style mm. and um in pyeongchang uh, it was the first time slope style had been in the olympics and uh 
that was very memorable. I don't know if any of you have ever seen these slope style courses, but they're they start out with um, a bunch of uh, rails and kind of um, various kind of features that the athletes can uh, they can choose how they want to do that first section of the course, and they're they're judged on artistic uh, you know creativity and whatnot plus ex execution, mm. and then there's three massive jumps, mm. which uh, are just you know. They, they sail, you know, 200 feet in the air. And uh, so, it, yeah, I've, I so got did, to, did, to pre-run those. Did, uh, you did those. Well, <laughs> I didn't do the, the rails. There's no way. Those days are gone for me. Maybe back in the day I would have. But uh, but um, uh, definitely I've skied the moguls courses and yeah. uh, really enjoyed that. Got a few uh, boots and haulers from the athletes on that. But, uh, but, uh, but yeah, the, and in that Pyeongchang Olympics, one of our, uh, our athletes actually got concussed and mm. at the – the bottom air, and she was uh, uh, momentarily unconscious. So I, I did have to uh, boot it from the top as quickly as possible. You actually had to down. do some work. Is that what? Is that well, what you're yeah, you? and and to you know navigate these uh, these large uh, air features, of course, without getting air, but uh, and without making a fool of myself uh, in the process. So that was a, uh, but yeah, I managed to get to the bottom, and luckily our athlete was uh, was okay in the end, end of it all. Yeah. Mm. So, so um, you know, obviously, con uh, that, so when was that? That was a few. That was twenty eighteen. That one. Okay. All yeah. oh, right. So not that yeah. long ago. So obviously, yeah. you know, concussion has become mm. a, a yes. thing in yeah. sports. So Huge. and understand that you're sort of now yeah. more, you know, sort of involved at that level. I yeah. am. Yeah. That that's been a interesting evolution, pref professionally and personally. Um, as we all know, you know, concussion has evolved enormously over the last. 10, 15 years, and uh, um, the uh, uh, so yeah, that's because of my involvement with freestyle. Uh, you know, we have 60 athletes that, that we manage every year, and every year we have 10 to 15 concussions. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. Okay. So so from the team level, lots of exposure and lots of uh, um, interest, and uh, so became very involved in the development of the the current um, national protocol for concussion management in mm. sport. Um, and uh, our, we had developed um, quite a rigorous protocol for Freestyle Ski Canada because we were having so many um, events. And uh, about, uh, about five years ago, the Sport Medicine Advisory Committee uh, developed a task force basically to try and develop a national template for concussion management and, uh, and our our concussion template ended up being a pretty pretty much the what they what they decided to to uh, put out for the rest of Canada. So yeah, mm. I was I was very proud of that work and uh, and my my career has gradually uh, once when I left family practice I had always done about a day a week of sports medicine and uh, mm. and uh, I've gradually that used to be kind of a mix of musculoskeletal and concussion and now. Uh, no, I just do concussion work. That's uh, and it's down to about uh, you know one day every uh, every week and a half or so. Mm. So yeah, gradually easing out. <laughs> yeah. So so you you um, so during these concussion events, you you make the call. Is that correct as to whether this person can continue or yeah whether you're going to pull them and definitely one of the more their one of the more challenging chances. Uh, you know, during a regular season World Cup, that's one thing. They, yeah. They're all obviously super competitive, and they want to 
they want to compete in every event, but uh, pulling them from a World Cup, it's a, it's a whole different matter to, to say to somebody that you can't compete in the Olympics. Uh, mm. Luckily, I've never been in that position with one of our athletes. Um, I was more peripherally in, in that situation with, we did have uh, an athlete uh, at Cyprus during mm. the 2010 Olympics that uh, wasn't able to compete in, uh, I believe it was a snowboard half pipe. Um, and, uh, you know, I was more peripherally involved, but didn't have to be the, I wasn't the one that had to make that actual uh, decision and tell the athlete. Um, but uh, yeah, mm. it's, uh, it, it, it's a, it's a fun, uh, you know, just today, for example, I had a, I was on the call with a cardiologist in Austria um, because one of our, I got a call yesterday with one of our athletes training in Penticton, um, developed a tachyarrhythmia and uh, oh. for about a minute's duration. Mm. And uh, so had to kind of, you know, get a, a quick consult in terms of getting her seen and also some advice in terms of what, what you know, can we safely allow her, what can we safely allow her to do uh, while she's waiting for uh, for a workup, yeah. Mm. So. so so you're the medical, sorry, we kind of skipped this. So you're the, now the medical director of, of Freestyle all? Ski Canada, yeah. Oh, okay, all right, yeah. okay. Yeah, okay. Fun, fun role for the most part. <laughs> okay, and is that, yeah. so that, so is, is everything, that's kind of conditioning and? Yeah, we do the pre-season yeah. pre assessments uh, yeah. twice or twice a year. Uh, mm -hmm. medical reviews and, mm -hmm. and that sort of combines just doing your your general uh, uh, medical review in combination with uh, high performance uh, testing for uh, you know their their uh, vo2 max wingate testing all the all the parameters that are measured uh, on a q6 monthly basis for the for these athletes that's kind of the standard of for all national teams now and so I work alongside uh, kinesiologists uh, exercise physiologists Mm. Um, some really, really talented physiotherapists. Like, wow, that's been such a pleasure. Uh, you know, working with some of the best in, in the country uh, of physiotherapists and their mm. assessment skills, uh, phenomenal. Yeah. Mm. And so, the kind of injuries that you see or that your the athletes kind of face, what kind of tears or yeah, well, when you're on the road with them, it's a, of course a lot, a lot of general practice stuff in yep. terms of the, the, the sore throat, or and you have to be careful of. There's a lot of meds that you cannot give that we you know would normally wouldn't think twice about giving mm. here. But uh, um, but in terms of yeah, musculoskeletal, we we do see a ton of uh, uh, well, not a ton, but there's always at least one or two uh, ACL um, tears a year, uh, lots of concussions as I alluded to. Um, uh, yeah, you. And certainly a ton of other other knee injuries. Again, kind of coming back to the the level of physio we're, we're working with, uh, you know, there definitely is a difference in terms of how quickly you can get somebody back to high performance sport if you're mm. working with with physios uh, that are at the top of their game, and uh, and that's that's really exciting to be to be part of. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so you're. Your first degree ligament sprain can, they can we can get them back mm. faster than uh, than you would you know your average person kind of thing. And, mm. yeah. So yeah, on top of all this, I understand that you also did some uh, you were sort of involved with Bracca with Dr. Varag Varagis and um, and uh, Dr. Perot mm -hmm. went to Liberia. Do you want to tell us a little bit more? Yeah, uh, about uh, that? I've done five trips uh, with uh, Dr. Prold and mm. uh, I think. Four with uh, 
with Dr. Verghese. Uh, got to take my uh, son on one of those and my wife on two of those. Uh, fabulous experience, uh, as Liz alluded to in, in her, uh, her review with you, but uh, I'm still very involved. Uh, with, uh, I'm not a Bracken board member, but uh, I'm kind of a <laughs> wannabe board member. I still I go to their board meetings, and we just had one recently. You did turn up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, very involved with uh, with that organization, and uh, look forward to our next trip. We're on a bit of a, a COVID pause right now. I, I'm not sure. I've pretty much decided. I don't think I'm gonna because my GP skills are getting pretty rusty now. Um, um, so I, th I think maybe on my next trip is going to be more. Uh, they also do uh, um, school building trips, and mm. uh, uh, I, you know, have a side of me that loves uh, uh, pounding nails and uh, and building stuff. So I think that might be my next uh, Baraka trip. We'll see. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. So in terms of the a medicine that you would kind of see out there, um, I think mm -hmm. both Dr. Perot and and and, and Liz Vergas were a little bit shy about maybe. I, I was sort of inter I'm interested in the medicine, having spent a bit of time in Sadat, so yeah. I was interested in how, what you saw out there and, and what, that, what that was like, you know. Well, uh, yeah, certainly long days and, and uh, amazing people that we, we looked, for, looked after. And, the, um, yeah, the word always went out uh, at least several days before we arrived that we were coming. Mm. And these are underserviced areas that normally wouldn't have access to routine medical care uh, so so yeah by the time we arrived usually for each place we went it was a one or two day stint and there'd be you know three to five hundred people waiting uh, to see us and uh, sometimes having wa walked for a day or two to mm. uh, to to get to see us and uh, um, and and you know once people knew we were coming they they would kind of want to come no matter whether they had a, had a medical issue or not <laughs> uh, and we always you know made sure that we would would be able to provide something for everyone it would be it you know a pack of multivitamins whatever but in terms of the the things that were actually needed to be seen uh, everything from your routine day in a gp office or sore throats colds uh, definitely a lot of back pain another routine gp thing and you know the the uh, men and women but particularly the women uh you know, carrying enormous weights on their back with incredibly awkward mm. posture for years on end, and uh, and they, you know, come looking for a, a, a magic answer for their their back pain, which of course is pretty hard to provide. But uh, but uh, we did, you know, we recognized pretty quickly there was going to be a huge number with back pain stuff, so we tried to develop a uh, more of a group teaching session using interpreters for uh, some you know basic principles of uh, preventive care for back pain and, and and how to manage your back pain that sort of thing um, so there was a there's a lot of triage I'd say because there was like obviously yeah. hundreds of people turning up yeah so we always carried mm. some uh, paramedical people with us or non-medical mm. people with us so mm. spouses or you know on the trips when my wife would come with us she would do triage because Carol had pretty good uh, with her ultrasound uh, you know more, um, different she was really good at triage and uh, so so yeah some would be seen by nurses only some would be uh, triaged to be seen by the physician uh, and, and like I said everybody we, we made sure that they went away with something but um, um, and yeah the other key part of you know a lot of what we do you could certainly say well gosh what 
kind of a difference are you really making? You're, you're parachuting in for one day out of these people's lives. And, but I think one of the most rewarding part for every trip is that we always were able to identify and make a life-changing difference to um, a number of people. Uh, so the, the woman with the, 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 the goiter that was, uh, literally she was carrying her neck, or neck around in a wheelbarrow um, and arranging for her to have uh, the only place for major surgery in Zambia where, where we did most of our trips uh, mm. is in Lusaka, the, the, the capital. So we would arrange for transportation, accommodation, medical costs, uh, post-operative care costs for, for someone like this. Mm. Um, I had another f- wonderful young man who'd been unfortunate enough to be at a bus stop when uh, a car ran out of control and uh, ran into him and he had a de-glo- excuse me, mad- massive degloving injury and his, almost his entire calf had been uh, uh, cut open and, uh, and he, when we saw him he was already almost a year into his injury and had done an amazing job of keeping it clean and not infected but but of course it was all still open and he was on a crutch and unable to work and uh, we were able to get him uh, uh, into Lusaka for a for skin graft and to uh, you know get him back to becoming a productive worker again and uh, yeah. so what would that look like so you kind of paid for all of this stuff so what, what was how did well, that happen well key part of what BRCA is uh, you know they have a, a group that live and that are Zambians on the ground, and that live and are and provide the ongoing services, 365 days a year. So, uh, BRAC is so much more than this little medical piece that we do. It's, it's mm. in fact, it's the medical is just a, a tiny add-on. They they, uh, they build schools. They uh, they have built something uh, uh, called a learning center in a rural area area outside of Kabwe, which is a phenomenal place. Uh, they they do, uh, where where uh, teachers are educated, where students are educated. They brought in computers where computers never existed before, mm-hmm. um, and uh, that's been just over the last three years. Um, they've just announced so they've had a safe house project in southern Zambia for a number of years, which has been a huge success, and they've just announced that they've got funding for another safe house uh, closer to. Um, to uh, Cowboy, where we've done most of our work, so uh, you know these these are you know life changing projects for, and like I say, they're 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 the heart and soul of Baraka. Mm-hmm. They're they're three three hundred sixty five days a year, and uh, so they have a team of, gosh, uh, I think probably half a dozen full time people now that are employed uh, with the Baraka work uh, that are Zambian, mm-hmm. and then uh, a coordinator. Uh, for Baraka International, uh, Andy McKee, who's uh, best buds with uh, with Liz Varighese's mm-hmm. husband, uh, yes. Brendan. So that's how it all kind of what it all evolved out of. Yeah. yeah. So, 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 so there would be sorry. Just going back, there was money that was sort of put aside to allocate to potentially deal with these inevitable situations that you would encounter. Yeah. Uh, so beforehand, and yeah. we basically set up a, a, a funding model where the physicians. Uh, would would uh, pay X amount per visit, which uh, and the nurses would pay a lesser amount per visit, but for each of us that amount slightly exceeded uh, our travel costs, uh, so that we were basically putting money into a pot, um, 
to provide the, these kind of extra services. Mm -hmm. Plus, we do, you know, we always did fundraising before we left, so we'd we'd have uh, fundraising events and uh, um, yeah, and that's and we've also been able to attract um, cor uh, corporate and community sponsorship as we've in the latter in the past six seven years the Baraka Canada Group and the board has expanded and we've been able to to get into uh, um, uh, some more cor corporate funding uh, which is has allowed some of these bigger projects to start to happen yeah mm -hmm. so um, um, coming back to White Rocks <laughs> so so you because uh, obviously your work didn't uh, finish um, with um, obviously when you kind of left um, practice and so on because I, I know that you're you continue to be involved um, with in the community and actually you, you did spend some time with the division as on the division board is that did I get that right yeah no I was yeah. a, a board member for uh, for four or five years mm -hmm. and I was the the uh, treasurer during that time and oh, that's uh, what happened yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what happened buddy. Um, enjoyed that uh, you know We've just got such an amazing group of physicians in this mm. community, and uh, mm. um, and that was that when the uh, when the divisions had just started, or when, when were um, you were near board? the beginning? I, yeah. I wasn't the uh, the uh, initial board, but uh, yeah. um, and then that, that was in an era when Steve Largakis was our mm. our board uh, chair, and uh, and then my involvement with Pathways came out of that. So Steve and I, uh, um, we heard of about Pathways coming basically because of involvement in the division we heard that Burnaby was developing this product called Pathways and we quickly you know we wanted to learn more about it mm. and uh, arranged a meeting with them and and uh, got on board right away to be, to be their first beta test site for because they were realizing that they really had something um, they had a, something that was they wanted to use more just than in Burnaby and uh, and yeah it's become such an amazing uh, force uh, provincially and and uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, I was involved with the, the uh, Pathways board, uh, part of their their uh, uh, first first board, and uh, that was a really nice, rewarding offshoot of uh, of my my division work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so at the moment, you continue to um, you're involved um, with Move for Life, right? Uh, so do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Because there's a there's a ton of projects that. That I, that I always uh, struggled to keep track of, uh, despite yeah. being told so many, many times. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, gosh, I don't know how you do it, keeping track of a, you know, hats off to you, Rogan, for, for taking on the, all the, the roles that you do. But, uh, uh, yeah, Move for Life um, in 2017, uh, when I was, uh, I was on the board at that time, and uh, the, div the division board at that time. Um, the Hospital Foundation and uh, an organization called Sport for Life Canada and um, Innovative Fitness, local, a local fitness uh, uh, company, they got together and, and, uh, and started Move for Life, uh, which is an a, uh, organization in the community that's basically committed for, to get all uh, residents from cradle to grave more physically active and to help educate them. Uh, about the benefits of increased physical activity. Mm -hmm. So at about that time, I, I had uh, done, through my involvement with the Canadian Academy of Sports Medicine, I had done uh, the Exercises Medicine Canada uh, two-day course for, to become a, 
you know, more informed about uh, the exercise benefits from a you know medical uh, evidence-based perspective. And uh, so it was great timing to become involved with Move for Life. And uh, so in those early days in 2017, there were basically five key pillars that were established for Move for Life. So um, the, uh, the health pillar, which I was a, a part of, uh, um, and um, along with Nancy Mathias, um, uh, then our, our, our uh, CEO, what, what it was, Pre previous executive director, uh, executive executive director, director yeah. of the uh, division, and uh, so that you know we were the the key members, and mm. with Kathy McIntyre, former head of emer uh, head, we don't use that term. We used to call them head nurses back in the, back in the day of emerge. But Kathy uh, is an amazing volunteer force in our community, and uh, so she's uh, the three of us sort of mm. were the keystone of the health sector. But yeah. Move for Life was much more than that, uh, and it is much more than that. So they they have uh, an education piece. So in the steering committee, we have the health health group, the education group, the uh, the um, uh, community sport group, and the community recreation group. And then a representative group from the media in terms of getting the word out to the community. So types of projects from the other perspectives. So from a school in the school perspective, um, physical education uh, traditionally has been on the decline. I think in schools, as most everybody knows, if if it exists at all. And so our mandate was to to basically re reboot uh, physical education in the schools. Uh, a lot of the teachers that were assigned phys ed had absolutely no physical activity background, so we were able to um, engage people, hire people that could go in and become mentors for teachers to become more uh, confident with uh, providing uh, recess and lunch hour supervision and, and more meaningful mm -hmm. physical activity programs in the schools, so mm -hmm. that was a, a key piece. Mm -hmm. um, in the sports sector, one of the uh, so the two key players at the table were soccer and hockey, and uh, one of the things that was recognized is that uh, those two entities were often at odds in terms of um, the times and dates for practices and games, and so that to the point that the kids that wanted to be involved in both couldn't be, and from an early age they had to choose one or the other, mm. and so that was an early mandate to to basically get them together and to figure out a way. Mm. To make it possible for for kids to to not have to mm. choose one or the other to, to be involved in both. So, from a uh, medical point of view, there's there's a couple of programs. I think there's the um, Fame program. Is that is that yeah, started or uh, well, that not yet? That's, okay. that's a new stroke um, recovery program that's coming. But um, the um, on the in the uh, health side, we we basically decided in the early days that we. Our, the first things, our first project was to develop the exercise prescription and then to uh, roll that out to family physicians and mm. also to physio physiotherapy offices. And so, so just to be clear, so what would happen there is if you've got a patient that you as a physician would feel would benefit from, uh, I guess, an exercise intervention? Exactly. That or you an could do prescription. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. To be clear, yeah, prescription, not a referral. Yes. Right. That you could do that prescription, and then they would spend some time. Is it around half an hour with 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 Allison? Is that is that right? Yeah. And then um, a, a number of options. So yep. uh, we decided early on to avoid the word, uh, the, the e word, exercise, uh, and use you know activity. Yes. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. a lot of patients will immediately 
you know, it's just a, a turn off kind of thing. But yeah, so offering them um, th three core options, uh, either f free, uh, f one month free pass at, at, uh, at um, White Rock uh, Recreation hmm. uh, or a five session free pass at uh, South Surrey Recreation mm -hmm. or a free 30 minute consultation with Alison Giuliani, who's a um, uh, kinesiologist. Mm. And uh, so if, if you as a GP are not quite sur sure, if you're, you know, what, where you should be sending your, your patient or what they're ready for, uh, Allison's there at the end of the phone line, mm. and it's all on the on the activity prescription. Mm. Uh, we're trying to get it on everybody's desktop through the office managers, but um, uh, definitely on on pathways, there's going to be a, a link if you there's a little bit of a background info if people want to just a three minute uh, YouTube if you want to know a bit more about. Uh, the activity prescription and and mm. what we can offer for free, but mm. it's it's such an amazing intervention for your patients and uh, preventative inter intervention and uh, yeah so so yeah so um, so you can also find these things on the uh, PCN service map so on pathways right. if you do WRSS service maps then you, the, the, a lot of these things have now been inbuilt into there. So if you're, if you're not doing the prescription yourself, your PCN nurse, if you're part of the PCN, they can help with that as well. So they can sort of, right. if they're consulting with your, 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 your patient um, and, and feel there's a need for that, they can help facilitate that process as well. Yeah, and you alluded to the FAME program. So yeah. other than just the activity prescription, uh, if, you're, if you're not sure, uh, if somebody's got you know more than two, major medical illnesses you might want to refer to what's called the chronic disease management program which is also uh, all linked in and through the uh, through uh, PCN and uh, and pathways but uh, so that there you've got an, an exercise physiologist who will do an assessment and uh, and figure out what your your patient is capable of and also uh, develop an exercise program for them and um, wow so you've you've as say you've uh you've got yourself uh, involved in, in in many things over the course of your of your career and and uh, you're still st still going strong with all all the work with uh, move for life and the and the, the city yeah. and and let's say say we, we seem to be increasingly looking like we're going to spend more time with each other in yeah. terms of some of the stuff that we can work together and yeah, from a so. primary care access a uh, PCN primary care network and and with move for life so so thank you so much for for all of your contributions and no, thanks for and having me it's been it's been fun to reminisce and uh and also be able to get a little plug for move for life it's a it's a really great uh, uh prescription to have in your in your toolkit thank you thank you so much again and thanks for for taking the time to, to chat to us Cheers. Thank you. Thank you.